0: and with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on
1: Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
0: Things have just got intense. You'd swear that your heart is about to pound out of your chest. That bull that you've been working is screaming furious bugles and coming in on a string. Yep, you've done it for sure. That brute is downright angry, 60, 50, closing the distance to 45. Now he's at 20 yards, stopped and looking straight in your direction. Your mind is racing because things are about to get Western real fast. He's dead on now, quartering to you. Is that your shot? Should you take it? Friends, that's the scenario that is gonna play out thousands of times this year throughout the West. Knowing when to shoot, knowing where to shoot will be the deciding factor between a successful clean kill or a blown opportunity. Or even worst case scenario that no hunter wants, a wounded animal. On today's show, our first topic comes straight from our listeners. All about where and when to shoot. We'll talk about that, as well as go to the Elk Bros mailbox and answer more questions from our listeners. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volume just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com,
2: with your host Gilbert Nellis and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it
0: out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters out there following our show, welcome back to elk camp. I'm Gilbert Ronellis coming to you from a Non-disclosed place in Texas, <laughs> <laughs> and joining us from New Mexico is your elk hunting coaches Joe Gillia and Leroy Chavez.
1: Non-disclosed, guys. huh? <laughs> non-disclosed, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh?
0: <laughs> actually, actually, I'm going to put out a little uh, a little plug for. Uh, the Hampton Inn here in Plano, Texas. They're allowing me to use their beautiful meeting room to do our podcast.
1: That's the best you ever look, man. I don't know if it's lighting or, light or lack of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably lack of it, Joe. Bro. If you guys are in the Plano area, please stop by. There's friendly staff here, in and in a warm bed and good breakfast in the morning. So uh, that's right. that's my plug for
1: for the Hampton <laughs> for Inn for the hotel.
0: Yes, sir. Right, bro. You bet you. What's up? Well, fellas, first thing first, right now, it's going to go to our Elk Bros shout-outs. There we Uh, go. If you're new to our show, these are just our shout-outs from a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week.
1: Topping the chart this week, guys. This city's name translates to Dwellers on the Bluff and is the home of the millionaire investor Warren Buffett, as well as having hosted the NCAA World Series for over 50 years, Gilbert. The College World Series, yeah, for 50 years.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Omaha, Nebraska.
0: <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska's
2: in the house. Uh the next one up, uh, originally named Edwinton, it's the state capital and holds a Guinness world record for of uh, from two thousand and seven when eight thousand nine hundred and sixty-two people gathered and turned themselves into snow angels. Uh big shout out to Bismarck, North Dakota.
1: Bismarck. <laughs> Oh, so it took 8,962 people to lay out in the same area and make snow angels to get this Guinness Book of World Records. So I'm just like – I don't know. How many were they over? I mean, were they just like one over the, what other state (laughs) would have done?
0: I didn't um, know there was 808,962
1: people in the whole state of North Dakota.
0: I mean, you can can ride in that state. I've I've worked up there a bunch, you know, around Uh Williston and all that. And I'm telling you, Joe, the first time I drove (laughs) through there, I was on the highway and you know, most of their gas stations aren't on the highway. Uh I was on the highway and I swear to God, the capture had come because there was not a soul driving on there, I'm had to call my mama Joe and say, "Mom, are you still alive?" Because my mama and Jesus, they like that. Right? Uh, they like so, that. Okay. At the end, of, at the end of the day, I thought maybe the rapture had come. Oh, yeah. Eight, you get eight thousand nine hundred sixty-two people in North Dakota, man. I'm telling you, that's a lot of folks.
1: You know what? If you're going to lay in the snow, you better have over eight thousand people next to each other just to stay warm. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh,
0: yeah. Hey. The world's first ever installed parking meter happened here on July 16th, 1935 in a city that I've spent a lot of time in. And it's a great town. If you've ever gotten to it, Oklahoma city, Oklahoma,
1: Oklahoma city, guys. Thanks for watching in the house, man. And so we can blame all these parking meters on Oklahoma city. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Send the mail to them y'all. Okay. Yeah. Up next, this city's name comes from a French term for a beautiful view. And this tech-savvy city, the home of Expedia and T-Mobile, has a Wi-Fi hot zone with free access in their business district that they've had there since 2007. You can go in that entire area and get Wi-Fi. Bellevue, Washington. Hmm. Way to
2: come out, Bellevue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, the city that lives on and for the water. This city is is world-renowned for shipbuilding for a, uh, known as a shipbuilding hub, and the community's heritage is all about boats and water, and that's Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin.
1: I, I saw that man. It's right out on this peninsula going out definitely. there, and I can see where they're definitely about water, man. No doubt. That's
0: uh, a <laughs> you know that whole place between Wisconsin and Minnesota is just loaded with lakes and water, and I mean, of course, you got the Great Lakes there. It, it's a uh, it's got a lot of water up there in that in that. Part of the country we're making
1: sure. a, a first we're making a trip up to walker minnesota here at the beginning of august up there and uh, up on a lake a good buddy of mine has invited us up there and you got to do it. Yeah. It, I told him what it I said, yeah, I, I hear you guys have a lot of lakes. And he's like, uh, yeah, the state of a thousand, you know, 10,000 yeah. lakes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's a lot for <laughs> yeah. sure. A lot yeah, I fished up
0: there. It's Every pond's got a big fish in it. I mean, it's, it's crazy.
1: I can do that. We're ready for that.
0: <laughs> no doubt. All right, guys. Well, let's get to it. All right. You know, I want to give a shout out to Jimmy Davis of Bahama, North Carolina. Oh, and Andrew Walla of Potete, Texas, as well as those you on Instagram that inspired today's main topic, where and when to shoot elk.
1: Where and when to shoot elk. You know, we, uh, we got a lot of stuff on that. You know, you talked about, there was one of our episodes where you talked about where your daughter hit on yeah. that animal. Yeah. And uh, that animal, you know, died in, in no time. And ever since you said that, Everybody is wanting to know, where in the heck is that, man? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if people go to our Elk Bro site, we actually have an article on our site right now on our recommendations for shot placement on where to shoot an animal. And remember, guys, this is our opinion. And we're going to talk about the reasons for our opinion tonight. And uh, we're going to cover all of these different shots that we'll kill an elk and put them down and we're going to talk about that placement so i think it's real important that you guys know that but i want you to know ahead of time that you know in all the years that i've put in guiding over 25 and the 37 years i've i've been hunting elk i've seen we've seen a lot of different hits and we've oh, seen when they go wrong and a lot of time when that happens, it's not necessarily because somebody didn't have a good shot. There's all kinds of variables out there that can happen. So I um, want to thank all you guys that – excuse me – that sent uh, questions in on this. And it was great to have – never heard of Bahama, North Carolina, but I was glad Jimmy sent that in. He's a fellow North Carolinian, and uh, I'm a backwoods North Carolina boy. No and doubt. uh uh so – we're going to get with it then right here. You can go to our website, and you can always see the shot placement. Now, we're actually going to describe and show on this podcast because our this same podcast is actually coming out on YouTube as well. So if you want to see the graphics that we're talking about and what we're doing here, mm-hmm. you can hop over to YouTube because I think right now um, we're probably about – in this meeting, I'm probably about 10 minutes in, so you'd be able to get a chance to be able to see that and uh, and, and what we're describing. So let's do that right now, and I'm going to pull up some graphics here, and uh, the first one that we're going to talk about, we're actually going to cover the different shots um, that are are. Good shots if you can make them. They're not necessarily what we recommend, and we're going to tell you why. So we're going to cover the first one. And give me a second. I'm going to share this on the screen. And so this shot right here, this is what we call our frontal shot. And when you look at this, the frontal shot, and you guys can jump in anytime uh, that you want, but this frontal shot, when made correctly, is a devastating shot devastating because it's going to go inside that animal it's going to take everything out you're only going to get you know one hole on this but I tell you what that one hole is going to put that animal down very quick the problem with this shot is if you do not know the anatomy of an elk a lot of guys will shoot right down here in the bottom right here where that uh, dark mane meets the brisket right here and That's not the shot that you want to shoot because that is actually the brisket bone right in here. Uh, You go anywhere off to the side, you go low or even just right in there, and you're stabbing that animal in the brisket. That is a wounded critter that is not going to go down. Uh, So I want you to understand that this shot is about anywhere from seven to nine inches tall to about six to seven inches wide. Uh, I'm going to show you another look at this, and this is a, a, a different view. Now, you take a look at this view, and that kind of gives you a little bit better idea where you can see that brisket right here at the bottom of the main, okay, and you yep. can see the size of this right here to bottom side to side. That is your portal right there. At 20 yards and under, if you are a, a somebody that has experience, if you're not shaken by the experience of having this sucker that close to you and you're a dead eye shot. I am not able to tell you that this is a shot you should take. I'm going to do exactly the opposite guys, Gilbert. uh, Amen. Uh, I'm going to tell you that I do not recommend this shot because I don't know you. I don't know your ability. I don't know how you're going to act with this animal. Um, I don't know how well you can recognize how much you're quartering. Because even this shot, if you look at this, this animal is actually quartering a little bit to the side. So this, (coughs) I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just getting over a cold. So it's not even a dead center. It's actually a little bit off right here. Uh, Now, you hit it inside there. I ain't got news for you. Even you hit this sucker dead center. It's it's punched. Yes, sir. So, but I want you to see that that's quartering that actually could still come out or any going out that back leg area right there once Mm -hmm. it's reamed down that animal. But again, because of all the variables that I don't know about you, your abilities, your confidence level, uh, I I don't recommend this shot. Uh, It can have a high percentage for wounding. Yeah
0: you know joe i've i've had several opportunities to take a frontal shot like that and you you know as well as i do 20 yards and in i'm pretty deadly with a bow yes you and, are and i'm gonna, i'm going to tell you straight up i'm on a 99.9% of the time i'm passing that shot just because right. the variables—if he spins—if you know—if you just judge him a little wrong—and look, your adrenaline's going to be high, you know, you're going to be pumped. He's probably staring you down when you have drawn. Um, you know, if it's the last, you know, if he's inside of 15 yards, I, I, right. I might take it. But man, 20 yards and in—that's a tough
1: draw for me. Now, I want you guys to understand that this shot when you're trying to see where that center punch area is you're pretty much dividing from the back of that animal to the belly of that animal dividing him right in half mid-body dead center on that Right where your cursor is just a little
0: left yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so again that is a very lethal i can never wrong somebody for taking that shot i am just telling you that if that's a shot that you choose to take make sure you know your business yeah, it's okay.
2: the, the the kill zone's like the, uh, the size of a small paper plate, maybe a six-inch plate. Right. But, and you could probably, you know, thread that all day long and practice. But when he's that close to you and he can feel the breath on you <laughs> and he's screaming and he hasn't seen you and he's just walking straight at you, um, it's a little bit different. I, I would, would not take the shot at all. But I know that uh, you know Gilbert's capable, and I think Joe too. If if that opportunity ever arose, but it's not something that you know I would look for.
1: Now, when you look at this animal to help line you up, they have the linea negra right there. Right. Uh, what we call black line, right. and that pretty much splits them in half, and then your mid body. Okay. Right. So just so that and and I want you to be educated on that because. If you hear things from other people, I see a lot of people put a dot right down on here, and you're you're asking for for danger down mm-hmm. there, and where that meets, where that uh, you're dark green meets yeah. right there, you're going to hit. Yeah, the stern. and look,
0: and look, we shoot, You know, a lot of guys that hunt elk shoot hammers, right? I mean, when sure. when I say shoot hammers, they shoot a bow that's really capable of some high ke. And kinetic energy, they shoot a heavier, a big broadhead, you know, a lot of draw length, and I right. don't care how how much you got. When you hit him in that sternum, it's all over. I mean, right, it's that, just it's not nothing. passing.
1: It, it's as much of a ram, a battering ram, of bone, as what you have. Battering ram of of uh, arrow there. So for sure, for sure, uh, inside that brisket. Now on on this next example.
0: Mm, my this,
1: is, this is the shot we want. We want a broadside shot. And I want you guys to understand, our goal, our goal in teaching you, and my goal as a guide is for my hunter to have two holes. That's my goal. If I have two holes, I have now increased my odds of recovering that animal so much more because now we're going to get blood out both sides. And it's going to make that yep. tracking job easier. Uh, I'm going to deflate this animal. And when you guys heard Gilbert talking about where that spot was that he aims for, you're seeing it right in this area right here. And Absolutely. I'm going to show you some things. Now, you you can see at this leg. And uh, if, if you look a little bit, this animal's quartering just a little bit. So there's probably a leg coming down right here. It's yep. a slight, slight quarter. It's not much of one. Right. right. But there's that crease and his leg straight down. If his leg's forward, it even changes the ball game a little bit more. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to show you why. Okay. We're going to give you the magic of the computers right here. And what I'm going to do is Hot I'm going to start taking this opacity now
0: Oh, it's cool right there, Joe. Y'all are going to want to see this. I promise you, y'all get to YouTube and check this out because this will change the way you look at an elk's anatomy.
1: So what we have here, and I actually want to turn, uh, let's see, we have that there. I'm going to turn that off for right now. But what you're looking at is we have the heart of this elk right down low right here. You can see the liver folded in. You got the lungs right here. This right here. Is no man's land right here, man. You do no not want to be messing with that because you stick that sucker in the shoulder uh, blade, shoulder bone right here. You know, some of you guys might get a puncture right through here. Well, I got news for you. Even if you get that puncture right through there, Which that bit, yeah, he's going to shear that arrow. Oh, You're yeah. going to get barely part of one lung, and that animal's going to die weeks later
0: lived it joe for sure yeah. yes sir
1: and those, yeah. those i need to be
0: six oh. inches to the right if I was six inches to the right eight, eight inches to the right we're gonna we're gonna celebrate over him instead of finding six weeks later
2: what are you gonna say joe? I, uh those of you that are just listening and not seeing the graphic uh he's talking about the scapula uh you can you can penetrate that but uh it's hard to recover mm-hmm.
1: and where that scapula comes down to that joint on that shoulder Mm-hmm. is the thickest location on that animal you can find. You get below that, or even you know, if that leg's forward and you get back of that elbow, you're getting nothing but brisket down there on the bottom. And you're going to get blood, but that animal is not going to go down. So what we recommend is you take that crease and you go mid body and you're back three, four inches, uh, you can, you know, and I say three to four inches. You could probably go five to six back there. I say three mm-hmm. to four, and me and yep. Gilbert kind of debate about this, right, bro? Right.
0: But, yeah. No. No doubt. I mean, I I I've pulled back as far as five or six inches, depending on my shot angle. angle. Yeah, my shot angle sure. and everything else. But you know, yep. where your cursor is right there, if you move it up just about three inches, right there, my daughter hit a bull with the with a uh, a crossbow, and when she hit him, blood. Blew out of him, yeah. and he died in less than ninety seconds. I'm yeah. talking feet up, muerta. I mean, so you dead, don't think brother. that she
1: hit that artery underneath the back?
0: I, I don't, man. I mean, it was. It, I don't think it was high enough. But yeah. if she did, I mean, look it it killed him stone dead, quick, right? Right. So I went, hmm. Um, I said, you know, I'm going to start aiming in that general vicinity. I'm going to start placing my my red dot there. And that's what I'm gonna start doing. And you can ask Chab, I mean, every bull I've shot, it they ain't gone forty yards. You know, so, and they, they feed up.
1: And right? and I, I want you guys to see if, if with an animal standing straight with the leg straight down like that, he gets a little bit of protection in that heart area right he there. Mm-hmm. If he's got that leg stepping forward, he oh, exposes yeah. this entire area right here. Exactly. I mean, he just exposes that whole heart if he's got it there forward. So. their
0: lungs lungs go a lot for further forward too, joe too as well so you know if he does have his foot forward you're going to have a better chance if you get him in line you're going to have a better chance of getting both those lungs and look i'm just going to tell you you know an old wise man that's passed on who's one of my dear friends carl gamage uh kind of one of the founders of this deal uh with us hunting together um he said this a million times. He didn't care whether it was a field mouse or a bull elephant. If you put an arrow through both lungs of a field mouse or a bull elephant, he's going to die.
1: That's exactly and, uh, right. He's 100% and right. You, know? you hit that animal right where we're telling everybody to hit it. You yep. double lung, you get a pass through, you zip through this animal, yep. and you deflate it just like a balloon. That animal yep. – and, and and, guys, it doesn't matter <clears> – <throat> If that animal dies in 30 yards or 100 yards, he's going to go down and he's yep. going to die. He's going to leave you, a
2: good blood
0: trail.
1: Yes. And you you stay yeah. off of it. You be diligent. Yes. Stay off it for that 30, 45 to an hour. You, you're not going to, when you come up, you're going to be doing, like I said on the article, you're going to be doing the happy dance, okay? Yeah. Yep. Because that's going to be there. Now, with that said, I've had people that, it, you know, when I showed them my dot of where I tell all my hunters to hit, said, well isn't this the golden triangle right here? So in other words, that area right above the elbow where you have the heart and there's like a triangle that is formed uh, by the scapula to that, that shoulder joint all the way down to the elbow. Yeah, it's the golden triangle, y'all, because that, it's a golden sweet spot. It sure yeah. is. You hit it in that spot, again, that animal's going to die. You're most likely going to hit the heart or the top of the heart. The only thing that I tell people is, again, if this guy has his leg a little bit back, it changes that formation. And if, if by some reason he moves or uh, you jerk, if you come over here to the left side, just a little bit, you're in that shoulder, right? Oh yeah. You you come back down.
0: You don't want to be in that shoulder. I can tell you that.
1: Yeah. You just pull, you pull a little bit left there or you drop a little bit down, uh, now you're in brisket, you're in, in, in legs. So two sides of that golden triangle are kind of a, a danger zone. Kind of the
0: Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> there
1: you go. I mean, it's beautiful when you're on yeah, the beach,
0: no doubt, no doubt. But
1: man, when they're when it gets stormy, it could be ugly. So you get
0: left of that, you know, and, and the propensity for guys when they pull, they do, they are going to pull to the left because that's where the torque comes from on a right-handed shooter. Uh, same thing with the left-handed shooter. So,
1: so from, here's the other thing, Gilbert, uh, and I'm going to bring up one of our buddies, uh, Luis Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. You know. Luis, he shot a bull exactly in this crease right here, Mm -hmm. but that bull was quartering away. Mm -hmm. So what happened was he got one lung, it punched out the front shoulder on the other side. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you people, you guys that are listening to this, that bull bled for 300 yards like somebody was taking gallon buckets and throwing blood all over the place.
0: Yeah, Ray Charles could follow that blood trail
1: In a heartbeat, man. Mm -hmm. And, And we followed that animal, and we followed it, and we followed it. And then when we started finding where it was laying down and it was rubbing its chest and sealing up, now that bull died. He had to have died weeks later. We tracked that bull from daylight after we waited our time and tracked that bull. We tracked that bull from that time. I don't know, nine hours till that evening.
2: Yeah. And that was five of us doing that. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it was real, real intense tracking. And And then uh, he went back the next day and
1: and started started it again. again, Yeah. And we looked for birds. We did everything we could. And it, I mean, Luis felt horrible and, uh, and I don't blame him, man. You know, we all go through that and it's a tough thing. The only thing is, is, you know, it, it happens. It does happen. It happens to the best of us. It has and happened to me one time before. You know?
0: Again, Joe, if we get away from that golden triangle and he and pulls up there to where the, that spot is, right we got here. a dead bull. Right? That's exactly I mean, right. He's, he's, he's got enough wiggle room there that if he is left or right, it ain't going to matter. You know? But gonna, if he's down in that golden triangle and that, that animal's quartering, well, you're only going to get
1: one lung. Only going to get one lung. Here's the other yeah. thing that I don't like sometimes is – if you do get an angled shot, or if it does hit a rib and turn, or if it is getting just barely any penetration for whatever reason, a lot of times what happens is, is this animal runs, comes back, and shears that arrow off. Yeah. And if you hit in here, most likely you are not going to get a pass through on the other side because of that leg bone on the other side. Mm-hmm. And and when he shears that off, that flap of skin, if you look underneath their armpit, that, that's real free-moving in there, and that flap of skin will cover that hole. That animal, animal will bleed, bleed internally. Right. And even though that animal is going to go down and die, your tracking job has just it, – it's become incredibly hard. Right. Because understand that these animals – look at this critter. This is a horse with horns, and they run like one. <laughs> no so doubt. when they start getting with the program and they start going up a hill – and they can go through stuff that you would not believe uh, man it can make for it's tough enough a tracking job sometimes right yeah you know
0: on a good hit
1: yeah and we've been yeah. on our hands and knees looking for yeah. pin drops at times and, and found that animal dead but because if you only got one hole and something happens that they seal that up or it moves on that skin or it starts bleeding internally makes for a really tough job so that's why we totally recommend that that shot be mid-body, three to four inches back behind that crease. Again, yep. I want you to see what that animal looks like when we start taking that up. And now you can actually see what that area looks like. Now, this guy has so, a too. very well-formed – this is a big old bull right here. Yep. He has a very well-formed shoulder. is actually a little over-muscular. A Mm -hmm. lot of these bulls, uh, a younger bull, that crease is going to run right about here. Right, He has a load on him right here. This guy is (laughs) – he's old, mature, and he's carrying some beef on him. So Mm -hmm. a lot of those creases are going to be right up here on the front. So, again, you can see where we're at, mid-body, about three inches back behind that crease right here, and we have a double lung. You give two holes and – Again, you're, you're cooking with Crisco, okay? Amen, brother.
2: Yeah, I'd like to add a footnote about that, uh, Elk. I know some of you are listening and, and can't see it, but if you get on YouTube, you will. Uh, this is the bull that we were talking about. You know, we had, we had already <laughs> got our camp, you know, was set broke up. Down. We had broken down. It's we were lo- loaded the trucks. It's 1 o'clock. It's about 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. And he came down with two satellite bulls and about 20 cows. Yep. So you're looking at him. He's actually uh, standing in a little waller. He's
1: standing in a waller, came down here with his cows at 1 o'clock. Yeah,
2: so that was a photo that I took of that bull. So
1: And look at that That's mouth. Awesome. That oh, boy yeah. is cool, screaming. He was screaming yep. the whole time coming down at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So when so we tell cool. you guys, man, to hunt that midday.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'll see these. <laughs> there
1: it is right there. Yep. Okay. Now, this next one that I'm going to show you is real important because this is when an animal is is cornering away. Now, this is the mistake that Luis made. You know, he was so focused on that crease crease. Mm -hmm. that he came right up from that crease and he pegged that elk right here. Now, I guarantee you that's a dead animal. But because of that angle right there, he got the front of one lung and blew out the front shoulder of that animal right there. Had he instead... Anytime those animals, like if they're standing broadside, you're trying to figure out what the angle is. When you see the leg on the other side, it tells you. Now, if this was looking at just the opposite, you know, where we had two legs we could see like that, well, now we're on a frontal shot, right?
3: Sure.
1: We do not take a quartering two shot. Do not take a quartering two shot. Can it be made? There is a place where you can thread the needle on that. Now, I'm talking archery. Rifle whole different business okay Mm -hmm. um you know this shot right here same thing with a rifle though yeah you always aim at that other leg on the other side mid body Mm -hmm. right here now you're taking out both lungs if you look at this bottom one right here i'm just going straight up so an animal standing away and i can see the opposite leg on the opposite side i'm going right up that leg and i am taking that shot mid body okay if he's quartering any more than this, you're asking for trouble. Yep. You're asking for trouble. So that's especially if we get to... a little
0: deflection from a rib. You know. Right. Uh, we'll get a little deflection if we catch one of those big ribs. If you're lucky enough to pass through the center of it, you never see it. But a lot of times we'll catch a little bridge of that rib, and it'll move that arrow forward a
1: little bit. Right. And you know, you can look at these animals, and both these animals almost look like they're the same. But this yeah. one's actually a little more broadside than this yep. one down here on the bottom. Yeah, that one so, down
0: on the bottom's a lot steeper. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if I have a quartering to me shot with a rifle, oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole different ballgame.
0: We're letting him rip.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that can be made be made all day long. But you know, when we're doing this with a bow, again, this shot right here, same thing. You yep. know. Uh, uh, and I hope everybody, if if you don't understand, and we're trying to explain it with the visuals that we have, and trying to make sure that you can hear it. But again, if I had to tell you without you being able to see anything, a quartering way animal, find the leg on the opposite side, go straight up it, mid body, that's your spot right there. Okay. If exactly you got an right. animal, you got an animal broadside. You find that crease, you go up straight up mid body, come. Back away from that crease, away from the shoulder about three to four inches, dunk, that's your spot right there. Now, rifle hunter, I'm um, a different deal. Now, and I'll tell you this too, even with the rifle, you gotta ask yourself how much meat you want to mess up. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I've seen guys that their theory is to blow that shoulder out and uh, and then you're 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 good because that animal's gonna go down, he's gonna be able to run. Well, if I was to do something like that, then doggone it, I'm right above the elbow. Now I'm aiming in that golden triangle right there, right above yes. the elbow. Yeah. And and I'm gonna put that animal down. You still might if he's quartering, you know, like this animal. I guarantee he's got a little bit of a leg right here, you might blow out the other shoulder. So yeah. that's something for you to think about
0: right there. That top that top uh diagram joe is almost the exact shot that i made at 69 yards uh Uh, and i shot him probably about four inches higher than where we are in the center right there that bull died within what 50 feet Right. right
1: I mean, less than that. So you bring up a good point, Gilbert. And one thing (laughs) that, and one of the reasons that we do that spot here. So okay, so let's say that you do pull off, and you know, I think you guys, I I watch, you know, people shoot. If you flinch, you might end up being two inches either high, right, left, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, maybe three inches. Even if you were four inches right Right. here, if you were that on by aiming at that point, you are still golden. Money. Okay? so Money. Th- that's real important for you guys. I-, I hope this has helped you. I hope uh, that helps you understand. And what I do now is I usually take people that uh, th- that I'm teaching about and taking them out for the first time. I go through a magazine on L, and I have them look at it, and, man, boom, with a pen, where are you going to shoot? Where are yep. you going to shoot? Because you want to get yourself lined out the same way. You want to get yourself lined out that way the same way as if you were in a live situation. So instead of having a diagram out there now, you know, you can say, okay, he's quartering away up the leg, boom, right there. Okay. Or I don't take that shot. Why? Okay. Sure. Sure. So um, that's the, the where part of this. All right. And it makes sense. I'm kind of getting rid of everything else here right now so that uh, my desktop's not so, uh, crowded
0: <laughs> cluttered the rest right of
1: it. yeah so let's talk about now the when part and you know that really refers to when and how to draw or how to take a shot with the rifle so you have an animal and think about that at the beginning Gilbert by the way man your intro that, that was the bomb, man.
0: I appreciate it, man. We hit that one. We hit a hit a home run with that one today, for sure.
1: I, I, I don't know about you, yeah, but I was like, good. "Oh man, I I got my heart going right yeah. now."
0: <laughs> well, hey, man, that's the moment of truth, and I've been there so many times. And you know, for every all the listeners out there, I've messed up more than I've than I've uh, than I've won. But I've you've been able to put a pretty good streak together here the last few years, and uh, it's all about making those right decisions and this right. is this is the the coup de gras of when to knowing when to do it you know and I for me it's just about reading the animal you know and and, and then picking my spot you know definitely and, then, and and I'm gonna always have myself in front of cover uh and I don't care if the animal's looking at me to draw I really don't um I'm gonna cover my draw, I mean I'm gonna let you go through a bunch of that, Joe, but I'm gonna cover my draw when I go I'm a you know usually I'm gonna stop him if I need to if he's walking, but I don't take a walking shot, I don't take a a trotting shot I mean you know it's you right. learn you learn to get that animal stopped and read his body and then send it
1: so and I've had to kind of change things a little bit because for me and and the things that that affect me being a finger shooter with only 60 some percent lead off and i i I don't get to hold that bow back all day long but there's a you know a lot of you guys now man y'all see a a bull coming and you can pull that bow back and hold it for a long time uh Mm -hmm. before they get in that shooting range so
0: I don't what? like to do that, Joe, because my form gets bad. You know? Okay. And the longer I hold it, the worse my form will get. So, man, yeah, can I hold it for three minutes? Yeah, I mean, I sit in front of my, my TV all the time with my target in front of me and an arrow knocked up, and, yeah, I mean – I can watch TV for three to four minutes and hold it. But I can tell you this, when I shoot like that, my form gets a little weak.
1: It's going to break down. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference, though, is is you're not on a range where you're thinking about everything. Just that adrenaline factor Mm -hmm. a lot of times changes the fact that you don't even know how long you hold it. So that that part is in there. But as far as when to draw, um, I I will tell you guys that – I have – and so many times when this has occurred is that an animal will be coming and coming across 20 yards, 15 yards, 12 yards, I don't care. And then a lot of people, when they see that that animal's going to put their head behind a tree, they'll start their draw, okay? <laughs> and what happens with that is is by the time – because you're drawing smooth, by the time you finish your draw – That guy's eyes are already on the other side of the tree, and I have had this happen time after time after time, that as soon as they do that, they stop, they freeze, and they look at you. And when they do that, where's the kill zone, Chow? Right behind the tree. (laughs)
0: Yeah, 99.9% of the time.
1: Yeah, for sure,
0: right behind the tree.
1: So if you will wait, the best time – to draw for you to make a motion on an animal is when that animal is moving because mm-hmm. everything is moving for him. That's mm-hmm. why 99.9% of the time when we've drawn on animals and they've caught motion coming up, all they've done is stop, boom, and, mm-hmm. and turn and look at us. Right? Mm-hmm. So Shame same thing, <laughs> same thing, man. If that bull is coming, wait till they clear Wait till that head clears on the other side. Then do your draw because now he is going to do one of two things. He's either going to stop and look at you or he's going to booger because he saw something moving and you're going to, eh, real fast. And I guarantee he's going to stop, turn, and look at you. Maybe another 10 yards, maybe another 15 yards further. And you're going to have that shot right there.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what it is about these animals. When, they, when you stop them and they turn, they turn broadside. 95% of the time they go The reason they
1: do broadside. that, Gilbert, is, is they're not sure. They're, they're actually so they can get a good look at you, but they're in position so that they can still run off in the other direction. I agree. So it's yep. just a safety factor for them. So now let's say that you're able to draw and pull back when they're screened. It happened for me this year. You know, Mm -hmm. my animal wasn't going by one tree. He was going by, I mean, it was a perfect situation, totally Mm -hmm. screened for about two steps. So as soon as he got behind it and I drew, now the animal is moving through my sight windows and all I got to do with that diaphragm calling my mouth is, yeah, and that bull stop and look at me and I'm releasing. So that's the same thing for rifle hunters as it is for archery hunters. If you have an animal that's moving, you can stop them with a cow call. All right? And, I, you know, I have a, a little story here that uh, I'm going to keep it short because you ain't going to hear the whole first part of it. I'll tell the whole part one day. But <laughs> I ended, ended up in a situation with a bull walking down a trail coming straight towards me and immediately and I always sit down I'm on my knees I like to be on my knees I like to be low to the ground so that I can see under the branches because that's how everything kind of goes where we are in this part of the country and I'm down on my knees and this animal's going and I'm checking my shooting lanes to see where he's going to cross and as I'm looking I look and he's on a trail and so on that trail I start following that trail with my eyes, and I'm like, okay, there it goes, up around that tree, back over by that scrub oak. It's coming over, and crap, I'm sitting on it. I mean, <laughs> I was and All right, buddy. That bull walked right down that trail. And at 10 yards, in my mind, I went, somebody's gotta make something happen right here because it's getting ready to get real western real fast. Yeah. So at five yards, five yards, I drew. And, and, you know, I say yards. I bet he wasn't five feet, Gilbert. Yeah. I mean, I could have reached out and smacked him on the nose. Right. But I, I drew and I screamed a bugle at the same time as I was drawing. And me doing that froze him for that split second. You could just see the wheels turning in his head. Mm-hmm. And then he turned completely broadside all my all I had in front of me was was doggone fur I right. mean there was nothing but tan right there and I mean I just put it right in behind that last rib there and just it just drilled me but the the point of the story is that sometimes in those situations if you and I did that with that big bull that I killed if you bugle when you're drawn at the same time that animal sees movement and they associate that with another bull. And the first thing they do is they see that movement and they turn, they stop and they look and it gives you that second that you need to get that shot off. And and they're, they're locked. All right. So uh, that's something that, you know, when to draw is, you know, again, if they're moving and they're coming across, wait till they're in your shot, area now sometimes you'll cow call and they won't stop i've seen that happen. oh yeah yeah for sure you mm-hmm. know
0: yeah.
2: but yeah good example of drying back while they're running remember last year uh when we were on that road early in the morning in the burn uh when i got mine we saw uh, we saw the bull coming down the hillside right and he crossed right in front of us less than 30 yards right probably like 20 he came to a screeching halt but I'd, i had already drawn so uh, when he came to screeching halt, the arrow was already in its way.
1: Right, because he drew, knowing that animal was getting ready to come across his sight yeah. picture. You know, mm-hmm. I give a cow call. He, I mean, he put the brakes on and turned, and yep. it was too late at that point. Yeah,
2: he was like, uh-oh,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when to shoot, I agree with you, Gilbert. You know, moving or stopped?
0: Yeah, got to be stopped. Yeah, I mean, for me. Uh, it can't, you know, I guess if you were real close or something like that, but I'm trying to stop him the whole time. Right. You know, he would have to be inside of 20 again, 12, 15 yards if I'm going to take a walking shot. Right. Uh, but man, I'm just telling you, if you guys can stop him, y'all can put it where you want to then. there's a lot of variables when you're hunting elk and you want to try to make everything stack in your favor. I mean, you know, the whole, the whole universe and the stars got out of line to make this deal happen. And the better you can stack the deck for yourself on when to draw and when to let it go is, uh, is paramount, man. And I think the more you do it, Joe, the better you're going to feel at it.
1: You, You know, and again, uh, hunting and killing animals, it becomes habitual you get that yeah, first one under your belt mm-hmm. you know it, it gets easier each time and and yeah. i don't i'm not saying that it gets easier to kill something it just gets easier to understand the moment it's kind of like when you're you, you know i always go back to my coaching but sometimes yeah. when you're first doing your coaching the game moves way too fast man you just can't keep up but oh, after yeah. you start getting a few games under your belt it starts to slow down and you can see things in front of you. So that's kind of what, what I'm talking about there. And, and being in that position gets to be a habit. So um, we're going to go to our elk bros mailbox now. <clears throat> and uh, cause I think we really, I think we did a great job on covering that. If we didn't guys and you have questions, give us a yell. Now yeah. I want to tell you, I, I, a lot of you guys that have sent some questions in, I sent back that, you know, we're going to answer your questions in this next episode but uh we kind of we we've gone a little time already and i'm not sure if we'll get everybody in so um we've got letters from chad Hashin, mark newman uh zach reiswig from idaho tim curtis from west virginia and chip nelson from jamestown new york and so guys i want you to know as we go down these if we don't get to you this week we're going to put you on the next episode so Uh, I do not want to short any of these questions. So understand that you guys are going to be on and uh, uh, you will get your questions answered. But we want to make sure we answer them as good as possible. So uh, I think right now we're either at an hour already or we're a little bit over it. So
0: We ought to be able to get a couple of them in, Joe.
1: Yeah, let's try to get two of these in, okay? You bet. You bet. I, and I'm wondering if it was Chad, man. We had a review, Gilbert, from somebody in Grand Junction uh-huh. that, that said, Man, you guys are doing a great job, even if one of you are a Texan.
0: <laughs> I saw that, man. That's hilarious. Even if one of you are a Texan. Yeah, that That's all right, that. man. You don't hate the player, hate the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, from Chad Hashin, and he's originally from Grand Junction. I'm not sure where he's at, but. Right. He actually had two questions in here, and one of them says, "When you guys have talked about putting the elk meat into ice water baths in the coolers, do you have the meat in sealed bags, or is it in the water?" I'm assuming it's bagged, but maybe that's a way to age it when it's too warm to hang. And uh, Chad, it's uh, it's it's meat to water. We are just we're leaching that meat in that water. It'll it'll leach that that blood right out of it
0: he may have heard me talk about cheesecloth bag or a game bag joe uh Uh, you know a lot of times we put our meat you know our when we haul in our meat back to camp we'll put it in one of those cheesecloth game bags
1: but and and very seldom do we do that
0: right but once we butcher it and everything it goes straight on ice you know meat to ice and meat to water
1: yeah we're deboning it we're covering in ice we're letting that ice melt down on its own in there and create an ice bath and uh what you'll find is guys is that when you hang meat well i i have never hung my elk the only time i hang it is just to cut the meat off the bone right. i don't leave it to cure that way we do an ice bath for five six seven days and when it's you hang meat, so good to eat <laughs> it gets that it gets that dried layer on there that you actually have to cut off now yeah. Yeah. uh when, we, when mm-hmm. we soak it, some of that becomes like a uh, – you'll get some of that slimy outside texture there. Mm-hmm. But that's so easy to trim, and you don't lose any meat. It, right. It's so cold to work with. It's beautiful. The blood uh, gets leached out of the meat and really gives you a nice, clean piece, and the taste is just phenomenal. It is. We've, uh, yeah, we, we've always – had a huge and, difference yeah really is it really is everybody
0: comes over to my house eat elk meat they're like what in the world was that yeah and I'm like well you're blessed because my wife fed you some of our elk meat normally she only keeps it for herself (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day they're they're very they're like wow I mean I've had elk and it tasted kind of pungent and I'm like yeah well they didn't do a very good job of keeping it clean and keeping it cold
1: so we never hang cure meat y'all right um it stays in an ice bath until re- we're ready to butcher it or if you want to take it to a processor to do it. So it's in big muscle groups, the way we take it off and debone it off the animal. Um, and uh, it, it's it's really quality. We even make our own uh, elk burger. We do all yep. of that here. So you bet. Um,
2: So how long have have you kept the meat in the water? That's the longest period of time.
1: So we've had it in when we've come down, we've brought it in from uh hunting camp. We were on day one. We were on day one and the guys came in and uh, I think that one we took to the processor. So is probably we've probably had it in five days to an and at I bet nine days in an ice bath.
0: I know Biden was. I mean we we, you know, I killed that bull, that big bull, on the third day, and we were there another seven. So by the time I got home, and to the processors were probably another three.
1: Yeah, so because right. my
0: processors not, uh, they're not open on Monday. So uh, I got home Monday, and I couldn't take him in there till Tuesday. So I bet you it's 10, 11 days before I had mine. But right. we drained the water off, you know, and then put and then in new more, ice and yeah. add more ice, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, when when I go to work in that meet, that that water it, it hurts your hand to put oh, yeah. your hand inside of it. That's how cold it keeps it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just above freezing there.
2: Yeah. All so right. if you're wondering about you know how long you could keep it there, it's it's a, quite a long time.
1: Quite a long time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Quite a long time. All right. His yeah. uh, part two of his question. He says, uh, "I know you guys are talking now, but I was wondering if you had any information to share on bears or mountain lions." Even if you don't hunt them, have you had encounters with the predators while closing in on a herd of elk? I've heard stories of cats stalking archery hunters while the hunters have been stalking elk. I thought you guys might be able to share some good stories and offer some insight into that part of archery elk hunting too. And that is a tremendous question, Chad. And uh, because (laughs) I'll tell you, maybe I don't have...
0: We could do a whole podcast on the encounters of the you know the other of creatures the bear and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. close encounters of the wrong kind. Yes, the close encounters of <laughs> the wrong kind. <laughs> you know I've got some stories that Carl used to tell about mountain lions and
1: Well yeah, and, and and Carl Gamage and RC Knox, real good buddies of ours, were out in the Via Vidal. And if you guys haven't heard of the Viavidal, it's a it's a, a a once in a lifetime hunt, public land that you can put in for to draw here in New Mexico. Um, over 100,000 acres and it's some of the most pristine beautiful country you'll ever see and these two fellows were hunting this and uh, they were out in an area and had a bull screaming carl was up front with his bow and, and carl shoots a stick bow and rc's back behind being the caller and uh this bull is screaming and and i mean Carl just centered on that bull coming in. That's his just focuses that bull and this big huge bull has just got both their attention and, and RC's working and all of a sudden RC catches a little bit of movement off to his right and kind of looks over there just a little bit, took his eye off Carl and, and he looked and said God dang man, that's the biggest coyote I've ever seen <laughs> and then all of a sudden he saw this thing flip up and it was a cat's tail and that cat was locked in on Carl, not 30 yards from the boy. And, I Amen. mean, R- R- R.C. starts going, Carl. <laughs> Carl. I'm wanting to scare? The not want the scare didn't want Carl. to scare the bull elk. And he's like, Carl. And so, finally, he goes, I don't – in his mind, he's like, this is the wrong time to not, wor- <laughs> to not worry about <laughs> scaring that bull. Now, can you stand to go, Carl, cat! <laughs> Carl jumps up, man! He jumps up, <laughs> what, what, what? And the doggone cat got scared and run off. But, yeah. I mean, for that cat, that's two bounds, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, look,
0: if, if RC doesn't come unwound there, that cat's going to jump on Carl Damage Now, I'm going to tell you something about old Carl. That cat had had
1: all he wanted out of call game. <laughs> yes, I promise. sir. I <laughs> he would have gone down fighting, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, sir. But they're out there. You know, Joe uh, Chav and I had a real close encounter of a, a bear kind this year uh, back where my kill site was. And uh, we got up there and were caught without any type of gun, bow, anything, just our bugle tube in a diaphragm call. And I've never felt so inferior in my life and, and scared <laughs> But uh, Jay yeah, we knew we exactly what to do.
2: We yeah. went back to look at for your hat. So that's right. We, we didn't have our bows or anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, and that's a I, big, big brewing, man. So I, I guarantee bear. you guys too that uh, I know here in New Mexico, especially if the, if there's any acorns in the oak brush, and just about even if there's not, because these these uh, bears will come into cow calls. Um, oh yeah. Year before last, we, I I shot my bull elk cow calling got him to come in in the bedroom at about i don't know 15 yards yep and we're waiting for that bull to go down and it was not five minutes later here comes the bear looking for that cow and that calf that he heard we shot a bull and a bear within 10 minutes of each other
0: pope and young bear yeah, that's exactly Registered right. That Pope was Pope and Young.
1: That yep. was uh, that was tag team by Luisa Manano and our uh,
0: Venezuelan
1: mafia. Yeah, they put it to him. Let <laughs> me tell you. Uh, but uh, I guarantee you, you know, and when Luis called me, he didn't have a bear tag, and he's like, Joe, we'd really like to come into Elk Camp, and he said, Do you think we'll have an encounter? And I pretty much said, You know, yeah, I. Pretty much every time I'm on an elk hunt, I have at least one close encounter with a bear. Now, uh, bears don't...
0: Especially if I don't have a tag.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and bears don't freak me out. Um, I don't carry a handgun. I've never carried a handgun. Uh, I'm pretty confident with my bow. Yeah, my wife says, you know, but what are you doing after the second arrow? She, you know, (laughs) but, but uh, I that's just how it's, it's been for me. And I, I, you know, I've shot a lot of bear with my bow already. So, um, man, I tell you you, that you can put them down and put them down pretty fast. So,
0: yeah, you know, Joe, I think for me, you know, I I was very new to bear country, but, Black bears for me are just gigantic raccoons, and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> their mentality—they're very curious <laughs> animals, right? right? And once they figure out that you're a human, they—they're as scared of you as you are of them. Oh, unless, most definitely, unless they got cubs, unless you run up on a sow right. that's got some cubs, then you got some issues. You got some, well, decisions and you need to you get,
1: get away fight. from that anyway because you yeah. can't shoot that sow with cubs. So, now, that's now a you good boys up in Montana,
0: from, Idaho, they're grizzly. Uh, Grizzly country, a whole different ball game. A different ball game, yeah, yeah, right. I'm carrying a sidearm, and (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you know, a big a big sidearm, right? So, uh, grizzlies hunt people, you know, right. And uh, black bears, I hadn't really seen anything. You
1: know like where that. you need to worry about black bears—not out in the wild woods. Where you need to worry about them is down in town. Because uh, yeah, for sure, they're you know,
0: a lot more bold in town. Oh
1: man, and the, those woods. guys get used to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, yeah. and stuff, they're dangerous. They're oh, dangerous yeah. in town for sure. Yeah, they'll they'll come into people's houses. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a year ago, we had an elderly lady in Mora got killed by oh, a bear in right. her house. Yeah, yeah. came yep. in the house and and uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, you can have those encounters now as far as cats go. That's very, very seldom, but I got news for you. Mountain lions, I might not be too uh, intimidated by bears. Mountain lions scare the crap out of me because that's mm, a yeah. killing machine. They're, so
0: And they're big. They, are. they, they, can, are. Be, Apex they can be really predator, big. Yep.
1: When they're yeah. hungry, they eat. Yep. I can tell that's, you that. that they that's don't go exactly hungry. right. So we're going go to go from Chad to mark newman from indiana and uh, we'll probably end on mark here uh i know we're going a little long today guys but I'm, I'm hoping we're giving you some great content here and we'll hit zach tim and uh chip and whoever else writes in uh this week we'll hit them on the next one but well, mark actually uh had it was several parts to his and yes. uh and I want to kind of hit part of this because he says that he's going to try finding the most secluded area he can find in the forest because he figures uh, elk are like all wild animals, less pressure the better. And yeah, I don't. You guys can't see Gilbert shaking his head, but he's like, well, not uh, you know,
0: I'm, I'm elk are going to be where they're at, mm-hmm. and and for me, they like they they're herd animals, so
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, if they're in those less pressured areas, okay. But I, just because an area is pressured, doesn't mean they're not going to have any elk.
1: I'm going no, to that's that exactly right, right, right. Because again, too, you know, understand that elk at one time were never even mountain animals; they were yeah. plains animals, and that's right. they they adapted to the situation. And elk are incredibly adaptive, and they can live near um, subdivisions. Uh, I, I, the other day I was driving uh, between here and another small town, and there were five bulls 50 yards off the road eating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if they were that, you know, frigid and, and jumpy, mm-hmm. you'd never see those critters around people. But they, they learn about areas that if it has what they need and people are, are leaving them alone, not going after them or chasing them, then they learn to adapt and deal with those people. And, I, you know, places like Colorado where, you know, people are on those trails camping and hiking all the time, I guarantee you those elk have adapted to that. So um, I'll just tell you, Mark, I think a lot of people think like you uh, as far as what that statement is. And a lot of people head way back in there. And so you end up on top of each other and what they think is secluded. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I'd like to add something to that, too. Way back in there may not have the food source. Elk are slaves to their bellies, and I'm going to tell you right now, way back in there or up high or whatever, it just may not have the sustainable food source that the cows want so they can – sustain themselves and well those animals you, are
1: going to follow the snow line yeah if, right. if if there's a snow line there's going to be yeah. green grass so right. if that green grass is up high they'll be where that is but uh i a the point crop. i'm trying to make is is that you know uh, think about the most wild mm. animal you got is those doggone whitetails and those whitetails mm-hmm. will live in you know little squares in between yeah. houses and stuff so they, yeah. they learn to adapt to those things so that's something that I want you to think about when you do you that, I think sometimes the sweet area is between those way back areas and first mile off of where most people go in, so I agree uh, right right inside there. um His second question was, "I also want to stretch my uh shot capabilities out to fifty sixty yards. Do you think that is too far for a shot if you're capable of making those shots accurately? No, I don't no um however.
0: If you want to shoot at 50-60, start shooting
1: 80-90. Yeah, and and the other thing is 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 understand that at 50 and 60 yards other variables can come in that you're not able to control. Big so dumb. you could be of the most accurate shot there is. And that animal could hear something, turn, move, and now a broadside shot ends up being a shot in the rear end. Yeah. And You know uh, that's just something for you to think about the the closer that shot is and that's something i was going to say about shot placement up there earlier is i don't think guys are patient enough and you know a lot of times you feel like oh at 50 or 60 yards if i don't take that shot i'm not going to get that in well challenge yourself that's why you're a bow hunter you know um yeah, find some of those animals and tell them. Okay, well, I'm going to count coup on this animal until that animal gets 40 or under. Right. And if you haven't heard our part about counting coup, counting coup is knowing that you could kill an animal without doing it. And you know, you might learn a lot about yourself, and you might learn a lot about the animal as well, and get way closer shot. How many times? It's funny because there's those times after we kill an elk and we come across them, and we're like calling them in <laughs> and it's like man it was supposed to be harder than this and they they'll come right in yeah. on us
0: right <laughs> you know oh yeah man yeah. i'll tell you chav and i after we killed bulls that morning we could we called in seven more i mean it was just it was a lot of fun
1: yeah you know? it's like but, once the pressure's off and you're not worried about having to make a shot it's like oh man they're all right on top of me now yeah
2: yeah i wonder it was about- easy. I wonder if Mark has taken a fifty-sixty-yard shot at a whitetail, for example.
1: That's tough. It's
0: tough. That's, that's a a, that's a that's tall tar- order. That's a small target, huh? Yeah. That and if they, man, if those guys hear anything, they're ducking. You know, yeah, uh,
1: mm-hmm. they're dropping down. Uh,
0: whitetails actually can duck. You know, elk will rotate.
1: They'll spin, uh, right? They'll spin.
0: Yeah, they rotate on an axis, and yeah. and whitetails actually go down. Right. So. Mark, I would tell you that heck yes, you can make a 50 and 60 yard shot, but you need to be practicing 70 and 80 yards. Uh, That'll, you know, guys want to know how can I get good at 40? Well, shoot 50 and 60 and you'll drag
1: those groups into like that. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just tightens them up it'll and tighten them up and, and you he's can not do telling it. you he's not telling you shoot 80 or 90 to plan on shooting an animal Oh no no, or 90, no but I, I, yeah, but to tighten when, that 50 60 yard yeah when up. when you shoot those longer shots it tightens up those closer shots yeah. it just it just helps you zero on you know aim uh, small miss small so i
0: can't tell you how much that helped helped me shooting at distance right shooting out to 100 i mean we practice it to 100 yard i'm not saying i'd ever take a shot like that because i probably wouldn't but well, have but at the end of the day, <laughs> it was out of necessity. We'd already hit the bull once, but right, right. At yeah. the end of the that's day, that's a I whole different ball game. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. I I practice my first shot in the mornings from eighty-three yards because that's right. as far as I can shoot. That's my first shot in the morning, and we work our way in. You know, yeah. so now but just, it makes those fifty-yard sh- shots look like a twenty-yard shot.
2: Yeah, and I just want to add that uh, Gilbert and Joe both shoot a nuclear bows <laughs> so you know once they release it just a second later it's going to hit him because i've seen both of them hit uh elk at and, at and 60 I, or more i so. think a
1: part two mark is to understand an elk's body language because if you had an yes. animal if you had an elk in front of your broadside and that elk's down there chewing grass that yeah. that shot is as good as golden right there he's well, not going to spin off of it but, right, but if, if he's staring you yeah if he's looking at you that's all
2: yeah that's a, a no no yeah. shot
1: yeah yeah Agreed. Okay, so the third part, it'll be the middle of September and we'll be around nine thousand feet. And I got news for you, nine thousand good good area. So I'm yeah. hoping the bulls will be very active. Well, it's the middle of September. Uh so you're looking at the fifteenth. Um yeah, they're they're gonna be active, man. You bet, buddy. They're gonna be very active. Um and also uh I, I don't think it it matters whether it's nine thousand feet, though. Um, it, th- those animals, y- you might make sure you have scouted because if if again the snow line um, and that grass throw. is not good up there, they might be at seven thousand. They might be at six thousand five hundred. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, this year already, I put out on Instagram. I sent a picture of a bunch of acorns that are happening Uh-oh. down in our lower areas. Uh-oh. Yes, sir. Acorns, are, acorn crop is coming out, and, and that's that. Me. That's at, you know, seven thousand six thousand five hundred right in there. And, uh, I got news for you. That place is going to be loaded with elk, with those acorns in there. And bears. yeah, And both of them. So, Mm -hmm. um, as far as that, they should be very active. Um, and, but it's not necessarily because that 9,000, you're going to be there at a good time of year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. Be he ready rattled. for
0: all types of weather at 9,000, brother. Yeah. Hot and cold, because it, yeah. it can snow up at yeah.
1: 9,000. Sure can. He says, I've rattled in some whitetails. I just hope the elk are just as aggressive when the rut is in uh, as a whitetail. Now, I don't know what to tell him on that because I, I don't know much about the whitetail rut, Gilbert.
0: Yeah, look, whitetails are crazy when they get in the rut and, they fight and they're fighting and going nuts. Elk are You'll the kill same a person, way. Won't they? Yeah, oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, you get. It, it's when the white tails lose their mind and they don't care about anything else. And I'm going to tell you the same thing goes with an elk. Yeah. Uh, when they're rutting and full rut and they're chasing cows and you start banging on a tree and, and, uh, getting your hoochie mama warmed up, I'm telling you partner, they ain't happy. Uh, when they come in that you'll see, I've been so close to them. You can see the blood rush into their eyes They get blood red. I mean, yeah, they are very, very aggressive. And farmers. the
1: thing I want to tell you about that too, Mark, is that prior to the rut, a bull's priorities are one, seclusion, yep. two, food, and second water. I mean yep. third water. Yep. And well when it when those cows start coming in heat, his first priority is breeding. Yep. His second priority is breeding. His number three through number fifty is breeding, <laughs> yeah, okay, and so then after that it's gonna be wants. food, water, and shelter, that's so right. um th- that's just something, yeah. to to remember that's that's why
0: i think he's wondering too if you rattle the horns and stuff like you really don't rattle elk horns but you take take a big stick and run it up and down a tree and that probably works good
1: yeah and i and i've been hearing some guys it'll take a little small group of uh you know not too small because otherwise it doesn't sound like but they'll take like a small five by five group of antlers and Uh do some tip rattling and i've had some now if you want to carry them horns around with you, Whew, no doubt, you know, God be with you. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. don't fall uh, down. <laughs> all right. So his last uh, part of his question is uh, my biggest concern is adapting to the elevation and it should be in some ways. Um, any pointers on that will be great, greatly appreciated. And now before I go too far with that, and I, and I said, it should be something you worry about. However, guys, you do not have to be these extremist guys that are, uh, you know, doing, uh, triathlons and, and, uh, warrior runs and stuff like that. Um, how much you're in shape is going to be directly related to help you with your success, but it should not keep you from being in the elk woods. There's all different levels of elk woods out there and you just need to check that out. But, uh, As far as the elevation goes, Gilbert, you have to deal with that all the time.
0: Yeah, I don't live there. So us flatlanders, when we come there, I I try to get there two two days early to try and acclimate. I get on an aspirin regimen. Please check with your doctor uh, before you do something like that. I get on an aspirin regimen about a week before I come. Helps get my blood a little thinner. Uh, But the biggest thing is just time up there. And uh, I try to come a couple days early if I can, get into camp, don't rush things, go on a couple of little walks, stuff like that, just kind of get acclimated. And, uh, look, I'm an asthmatic, so I keep an inhaler with me. And, uh, you know, if I feel like I'm getting real tight chested, I give me a little hit off that inhaler and we're good to go. But, um, you know, the biggest thing with elevation is, is time and uh and and then keep getting your butt in shape you know uh if you if you can you know guys if you can run a mile you can fight a minute and uh at the end of the day it's it's uh it's a lot of work being at that elevation so man don't come up there without putting the work in or you you're going to suffer the first couple days
1: now i'm 57 years old and Chab is 10 years my senior yeah so what about for you Chab, out there uh well you
2: know get in shape i know being from my uh Lower altitude, maybe on some of your walks wear a painter's mask or just a mask where it's a little bit harder to breathe because you may encounter something like that the first time up here, you know, it's a little
1: bit different. It's a little bit different. Like Carl said, put a plastic bag over your head. Yeah, a Walmart bag over your head yeah. and cut one little hole in the
0: center. <laughs> and you and can if you do that, walk around the block 10 or 15 times, you'll be ready.
2: Yeah, and if you're hunting at, at 9,000 feet or anywhere like that, uh, you know, you got to do some uh, some steps somewhere, yeah. or, you know, steps on the machine or, or, or you know, real cardio. steps. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. use the elevator anymore. Because it's a little bit different, the ground is not going to be level.
1: And, and there I want ain't y'all to know. So last week, <laughs> Loretta and I got back from a cruise for our thirty seventh anniversary. The yeah. cruise ship had uh, twelve floors on it. We were on floor number ten, and food was on floor number eleven. Everything else was on floor number one. <laughs> and did not use the elevator once, buddy man. We just up and down them steps the whole time because yeah. uh, uh, trying to commit to to that as well. And no we're kid. from the altitude, but yeah. I, I do want to tell people though. Um, There's a thing called HIT training, H-I-T. It's high-intensity training. It's quick, it's hard, um, and you can do it with different things. There's a thing called a Tabata. And what a Tabata is is basically even if you're doing some sprints, it's like 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off and then 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. It is harder than heck. And, and I mean, you can do it with lifts. You can do it with running. You can do it with all kinds of different things. But the whole design of that Tabata and HIT training is to make you work without that much recovery. And I think that's better for the high altitude than anything because you, there's going to be times that you're going to go and blow, and then you're going to have to slow down, and you're going to have an animal in front of you, and you got to recover. So that's why I'm saying that, that type of high intensity training, look it up, look up Tabata on the internet, look up HIT hit training and do some research on it. And uh, it's that hard, fast stuff. And I, that's what I recommend for guys that are coming up from, from low altitude to high altitude.
0: Another thing, man, guys that hydrate, you got to stay oh, the hydrated. Whole time. A, yes, sir. It's a big, big thing. And you're not going to feel it cause it's going to be real cool. And if you're like me, man, I sweat bad. Uh, it is imperative imperative that you start on a hydration process before you get in the mountains
1: i don't know where the time has gone bro but uh man it's uh we're gonna have to get out of this place so close us out gilbert
0: hey guys it's what a great show awesome content we hit on some great topics i can't wait to get to the questions next week from joe and chav in new mexico i'm gilbert Arnellis here in, in an undisclosed place here in Texas. <laughs> God bless all of our grinders out there. Kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk, Hunting.
1: Peace, peace, y'all. Have a good week.